Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Friday, June the 3rd, 2022. It is currently 9.09 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Now, I don't know how many of the live broadcasts you tuned in for today. It's been a mixed bag. I think we've done some things. Well, well, I shouldn't say we. I have, I think, done some things halfway okay. I don't even think I've really done anything well this week or this evening or today, I should say. Okay, let me take that all back. I can't even speak properly. I don't think I've done anything extremely, I don't think I've done anything well today in our live broadcast, but I've definitely put forth a lot of effort and hopefully something has proven to be beneficial. Um, We have been working on the book, Jesus Calling. We did a little bit of work on it today. We've already done, I think, two uh, podcast episodes before that. And I wanted to take a little bit of time, uh, I guess, to conclude today's live broadcasting. I don't think I'll do anything else later tonight. I don't think I will. Um, who knows? Uh, tomorrow we'll be doing a lot of live broadcasting, but we have been working on the Jesus Calling devotional book. And the reason we've been working on this book and talking about this book is it was announced on May the 31st, 2022 at 425 p.m. that Jesus Calling, that devotional book, has now sold over 40 million copies meaning that it's an extremely influential devotional book. So because it's so influential, we decided to take a look at what's in it, what it is about. Remember, the book is written by Sarah Young. Again, Jesus calling, enjoying peace in his presence. We discovered a a lot of things and everything that we've looked at so far. I'm not going to go back through everything. First of all, we discovered there's some major problems in the book. First of all, from from the very outset, the introduction demonstrated a complete ripping verses out of context, or ripping a verse out of context from the book of Isaiah, making it about her, making the author made it about her and her situation when the verse itself was about those in captivity in Babylon. So that was a major problem. The very first devotional we looked at, she did that once again with Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Let me turn my Kindle back on. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. I'm going to go back to, yeah, there it is. Jeremiah 29, 11. Rip that out of context. Once again, it's a another, it's another verse about people in Babylonian captivity. Completely once again, ripped it out of context. And there's been an interesting development in regards to Jeremiah 29, 11. I just noticed this just a little while ago. I said, what time was this posted? It was posted yesterday, I guess. I don't know what time. But if you go to crosswalk.com, crosswalk.com, a very mainstream evangelical Christian website, right? Not, you know, not known for deep theological discussions, very kind of just mainstream right there. They have an article that they published yesterday called Six Bible Verses You Are Probably Reading Wrong. So even in the mainstream evangelical world, they they at least acknowledge there's some Bible verses that we're probably reading wrong. And look at what number two is. Number two, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. They say this verse 
has been placed upon everything from billboards to bumper stickers. It's been taken by the general populace, even unbelievers, to mean God has plans for them to prosper them. From 627 to 586 BC, the prophet Jeremiah wrote words of judgment and promises to an impenitent, impenitent, wicked Judah. Before and during their captivity, Jeremiah repeatedly warned the nation of the coming judgment if they did not repent. Yes, there is hope scattered throughout the book, but God had Jeremiah write about how he would unsettle the nation's selfish plans and quash their dreams. The Assyrians had taken much of of Israel captive to Babylon. Those who were left in Jerusalem felt God bless them and curse the captives. Jeremiah also prophesied God would regather them to their land, but not according to their desired timetable. Instead, their return from exile would happen in God's timing, plan, and purpose. Israel's repentance was key. It was unthinkable to the Jews that God would save them through captivity and bless them in it, even though Jeremiah's message was clear. So they place it absolutely in its proper context and tell you that everyone's been using it incorrectly and using it wrong, which is just awesome that that's at crosswalk.com because a lot of people who may not pursue any websites that are very, you know, theological or websites committed to to an in-depth look at hermeneutics may go to crosswalk.com and maybe find out, wait a minute, I've been reading these passages wrong. So that's just awesome that that appeared Well, as we're looking at the Jesus Calling devotional book, where in the very first devotional for January the 1st, she, well, misuses Jeremiah 29, 11. Now, that's bad enough. People everywhere misuse Jeremiah 29, 11. But one of the major problems with the Jesus Calling book is she is claiming in the book that she got these devotionals by having a dialogue with God in her prayer time, and that she listened to what God told her and wrote it down. Well, if God told her to misuse Jeremiah 29, 11, then clearly that's not the God who ultimately is the author of scripture because it's all inspired by him. She was getting a message from someone other than God, most likely from her own imagination and her own lack of knowledge and how to interpret Bible. That That is what it demonstrates. But yet she's claiming, hey, that the Jesus Calling devotional book, that came from God. That That's just another troubling thing about the book. So what's troubling about the book? Number one, her misuse of scripture. Isaiah and Jeremiah are the two just absolutely great examples in the introduction in the first devotional. The second major problem in the book is she claims she gets all of this from God. The third major problem with the book is she writes as if Jesus is speaking. She writes in, uh, as, if, as if she's giving you the words of Jesus. Like Jesus is speaking to you through the devotional, which basically makes it like, well, inspired scripture. Now she would claim it's not, but if God, if Jesus gave her the words, she wrote it down, and then it's published in a book, and you buy it, you're getting the words Jesus told her, that's inspired scripture, no matter how much she wants to claim that it isn't. So there are major problems with the book, just major problems. Another major problem with the book is she really got the idea from a book called God Calling, um, which was written by two anonymous listeners who, well, they supposedly were hearing from God, and God gave them a book. And that book, though, has been at least 
called into suspect, called into question and been accused of maybe some kind of an occultic connection. So in the original Jesus Calling book, in that introduction, it mentions God calling, but in the new introduction, they've removed that because, well, that would call into question Jesus calling. But hey, just change the uh, introduction and don't mention the reality that this was actually inspired by another book that is really called into question by many people. Let's just leave that out because, hey, you know, we got to make some money on this. So, and well, it obviously worked. They've sold 40 million plus copies. So what we're going to do tonight is I just wanted to take a little time to just look at another devotional from Jesus Calling. Let's look at one more. We're going to look at a couple. Right now we did January 1. Now we move to January the 2nd. Just I want to give you the first couple so we can kind of get an idea. Then we'll jump to somewhere in the middle. Then we'll jump to somewhere in the end. And you'll just kind of get a basic idea of what's in this book. And you can go read it for yourself. But I would tell you at this point, Jesus Calling, it's not just a book that I'm like, ah, I disagree with. I think the Jesus Calling devotional is 100% heretical. There's just no other way around it. I, I, I tried to be nice at the beginning. Um, but I, I just, there, there's just major, major problems. Now, I did ask in, uh, I think, the last episode, why is it so popular? Someone in the Discord channel, let's see if I can find their comment. They offered their thoughts or reasons why they think it's so uh, popular. They said this, if I can find it. It says, uh, they, they posted this today in the Discord channel at 2.33 uh, p.m. They said this. Listening to today's podcast about Jesus Calling, the answer to the question why this is so popular, it is because it's totally focused on me, the reader. The you in the text is getting the full attention of Jesus. This is written in the voice of a love-bombing cult leader. People join cults because they want to do, join, and be something good, and they are vulnerable to cult leader or a narcissist who will love bond them and put all of their focus on them. It's almost irresistibly seductive. Read the opener to the Satanic Bible again. It basically says, hey, you're good. You're worth it. You deserve to have everything you want. Nothing should stand in your way. It's all about you. And now you have a devotional with the name Jesus on it that says the same thing. Now, as someone who has, well, talked about the Satanic Bible, own a Satanic Bible, um, yeah, the, the, the Satanic Bible, it's all about you. The most important holiday to a Satanist is your own birthday. You're the God you worship in Satanism, and this person is claiming the reason Jesus' calling is so popular is, well, Jesus, it's all about you. It's all about you. It's not about Jesus. It's really about you. It's about you. It's about you, 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 you. And he's telling you all these wonderful things about you, about you, about you, about you, about you, about you. And um, that I, I guess I can understand. But to me, I, I, well, the first devotional left me so like, really, that's it? That's That's the devotional that people that has sold 40 million copies. I, I just, I don't get it, but we're going to read a couple of them. I do agree that it's a devotional that makes it all about you. I do agree that uh, with that. I just still don't understand how that would make it so popular because it just seems so, it just seems all, 
show with no substance. It's just, it, 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 there's not even much show. It's just, there's not much in these devotionals, but maybe this one is going to be different. So we're going to move to January the 2nd, and we're going to take a look on that. I, I know that was a lot of review, and hopefully I put that all together in a meaningful way, but here we go. So we turn to January the 2nd again in Jesus Calling. Here we go. As we've, we've talked about all the problems with the book, again, once you turn the page to, uh, and I'm looking at the Kindle version, once again, there's that picture of Jesus holding out his hand to you. He's calling to you. And this is what it says in January 2nd. Now, the, the, what's interesting is on January the 1st, is, well, I, okay, I, I guess what they did is for the entire month of January, I guess the key verse for the entire month of January is Jeremiah 29, 11. So I guess that's interesting. So I guess for the entire month of January, Jeremiah 29, 11. So if that, if, if they keep referring back to Jeremiah 29, 11 through the entire month of January, that means they're going to be ripping the verse out of context over and over and over and over and over. And again, this is supposedly Jesus giving her these words, which just, well, you end up blaspheming the name of God and taking his name in vain. It's just, it's just horrible. And you're speaking for him when it's not his words. So we're going to go to January the 2nd. There's no scripture at the, at the title here. Uh, it just says, now again, this is Jesus supposedly speaking, right? So I want you to understand that. That's what's disturbing. When I'm reading this devotional, I'm supposedly reading the words of Jesus spoken to, well, specifically the author of this book, but to us. I read, relax in my healing presence. That's supposedly what Jesus is saying to me in this devotional. As you spend time with me, that you is the reader, the me is Jesus, my healing presence, that's Jesus, he's the one speaking. As you spend time with me, your thoughts tend to jump ahead to today's plans and problems. Bring your mind back to me for refreshment and renewal. Let the light of my presence soak into you as you focus your thoughts on me. Thus, I equip you to face whatever the day brings. This sacrifice of time pleases me and strengthens you. Do not skip on our time together. Resist the clamor of task waiting to be done. You have chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from you. That supposedly, those are literally like written as if those are the exact words of Jesus, but they're not the words of Jesus. They're not scripture, but you would have to treat them as scripture. And then it just gives us the following scriptures. Psalm 89, 15, blessed are those who walk. Oh, let me read this again. Psalm 89, 15, blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you who walk in the light of your presence, O Lord. Then Psalm 105, 4. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Then we have this. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Luke 10, 39-42. And that's the end of the devotional.
I, I cannot state this. I, I don't understand. I know, I know that it's about us, but you spend nine, 10, $15, 40 million people have bought this thing. And that's the devotional. Like what, what, what did you even learn there? First, you have made up words that supposedly are from Jesus that aren't from Jesus because Jesus never said those words because, well, someone just made them up, all right? Okay, Jesus didn't give them this. And then you just th- throw, you just make, you reference the scriptures, 89, Psalm 89, 15, Psalm 105, 4, Luke 10, 39 through 42. Now, Luke 10 through 39 through 42 is an interesting passage of scripture, would be interesting to study. There, there's not even any... There's nothing about those scriptures. They just quote the scriptures. There's no, there's nothing. There's not like, here's some questions to consider when meditating on these scriptures. Here's some kind of commentary. There's just nothing. That's it. That's the entire, that's the devotional for January the 2nd. I mean, literally, how many minutes did that even take to read? It makes literally no sense to me how this sold 40 million copies. I mean, and and, and it's just, it's just meaningless. Let me just read what supposedly Jesus says again. Okay. It's just, this is just kind of like, I mean, there's nothing here of any substance. Relax in my healing presence. As you spend time with me, your thoughts tend to jump ahead to today's plans and problems. Bring your mind back to me for refreshment and renewal. Let the light of my presence soak into you as you focus your thoughts on me. Thus, I equip you to face whatever the day brings. This sacrifice of time pleases me and it strengthens you. Do not skip on our time together. Resist the clamor of the task waiting to be done. You have chosen what is better and it will not be taken from you. The end. That, that's that's a devotional that, that 40 million people have purchased. And we can't figure out why the American church is just completely biblically illiterate and bankrupt. You, I mean, what is, I don't even understand what that is. I, I, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I'm just completely, like, I, I was hoping that we could read some of these devotionals and be like, wow, okay, this is majorly problematic. Okay, we got to really work on this. But there's just, there's not really anything here that other than what we've already pointed out. She's speaking as if Jesus gave her these words and she writes it as if Jesus is speaking. That's a problem. This goes, and remember, and in the original introduction, she said, the author said, I, I knew, I know we had scripture. I know I have scripture. I know it's the inspired word of God, but I wanted something more. Well, what you got, this is more, you, you, you've got made up words, uh, pretend words that, that no. And, 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 and these are supposedly the words of Jesus. And what is he saying? Hey, you need to spend more time with me because I like it and you'll benefit from it. R- really? That's the great revelation God gave you when whatever day you wrote that down. Hey, I want you to spend time with me because I like it and you'll benefit from it. That, that's the great of, of Jesus is going to speak to you and that's what you get. I, <laughs> I, 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 you know what? I mean, I, I want more. Like, I, I can I want more. Like, I would, I want, if I'm paying money for this devotional, which I did, I, that's it. 
So really at this point, what I would do if I was, if I was devotional, I'd be like, okay, forget everything she said, everything she made up. Let's consider Psalm 89. Let me do a little bit of a, maybe a chapter summary or maybe, I don't know, I'll do some kind of the Bible study method on that. I can go to Psalm 105.4, look at that. Or I could just go to Luke 10. I could go to Luke 10. If I go to Luke 10, if I go to Luke 10, uh, see, so where does the story begin here? Luke 10, uh, Verse 38 is where the story begins. Uh, now it came to pass, Luke 10, 38, and now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. So Mark 10, or Mark 10, Luke 10, I should say, verse 38 to 42, that's the story. And then we could we could look at it and see what valuable lessons and, and we could challenge, we know the common way that it's interpreted. Is that the correct way? I'm not saying it's the incorrect way. So, I mean, I, I do appreciate that they, oh, put it this way. I, I appreciate it in the sense that, well, she put a scripture there and I can now do something with that scripture. But guess what? I'm going to get something by studying that scripture, not these fake words of Jesus, because I'm not going to study them as if they're, exp well, she tries to claim they're not inspired. So if they're not inspired, what is even the point? I, I don't even understand the whole concept here. And it sold 40 million copies. Again, if this sold like, if this was just some insignificant devotional, I wouldn't be picking on it. I wouldn't. I I wouldn't even worry about it, right? It sold 40 million. Women Bible study groups bought into this. It's been used by churches. It's like this supposed great, you know, it's become a brand. It's a phenomenon. And I'm like, that that's what people want in 2022? I even if it's self-centered, even it there's just nothing there. There's like I can't even, I can't even really grab onto something to, I can't even grab onto any, there's not enough there to even critique. There's a not enough there even to question. There's not even enough here to go, whoa, that's a problem. It's just, it's like sand through the, through, through your, it's like picking up some sand and like, I'm going to analyze it. And then you open up your fist and it's like, Oh, it just, it, it goes right through your fingers. It goes right through your fingers. And you're like, well, there's a the sand's gone. It's gone. It's like you pick up the devotional, like, okay, I'm going to analyze it. And there's just nothing there. It's just meaningless vanity of vanities. Now I could take Luke 10 and meditate on that and work on that. And I could be, okay, well, the book gave it to me, but I, I don't need that book to give me Luke 10. I... I'm just baffled by this. I am truly baffled. Two devotionals, and I'm just looking at it going, what, what, what was it? I almost want to move to the third one. I almost want to move to a third one. I, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just, because I, I'm not going to, I don't know how much time I'm going to spend on this, but this just, this is just insanity to me. Look, it's one thing. It's one thing to have some book that's just selling millions of copies in the Christian world and you pick it up and you're like, okay, I think it's all wrong. I think it's still logically incorrect. I think it's heretical, but there's something, there's substance. There's actually something there. You may disagree with it. Like, like I completely disagree with Rick Warren's purpose-driven church. 
I completely agree with his philosophy, but at least there's something there. There's something there to like analyze and try to understand his philosophy, the purpose-driven life. I can go through those books and say, okay, I disagree with them, right? But at least there's something of substance. This is just nothingness. But yet that's what people are buying? 40 million? I, I, I still just cannot understand it from human perspective. Look, I don't want to, I don't want to try to claim that this is some satanic plot. I don't want to go there. I can't say something like that dogmatically. I just have I, no human explanation works. Well, it's self-seeking, self-serving, self-gratifying, self-exalting. Yeah, but there's a lot of self-seeking, self-gratifying things that at least have something of substance. There's no substance here. Like, who reads that devotional and go, oh, wow, that was so good. That was an amazing devotional I had today. Really? What was it? That that was your amazing devotional? That that was it? Now, it would be interesting if the people who, I, I would have to talk to people who think this is an amazing devotional, which part they thought was amazing. Was it the scripture? Or was it the words that supposedly came from Jesus? Like, I, I, would, I would have to talk to, I'm not going to be, I can't be dogmatic about this. I just have a feeling that women are more drawn to this than men. I, I would have to look at the demographics. Well, typically it's women who read more than men in the most churches anyway, other than men who are called to ministry. Typically it's women who read more. So I would have to find the women who are like, oh, this was so good. This was so awesome. And then have them tell me what part was so great. And then find out if they were focusing on the made-up words that were supposedly from Jesus. Or if it was the scripture. Now, if it was the scripture, then, then they didn't like the devotional. Because the devotional doesn't do anything with the scripture. It was the word of God. And if it was the word of God, then that's awesome. But if it's not the word of God, it's the supposed words from Jesus that they are writing down in their devote their their journal and that they're they're thinking about and they're meditating on then that is that is literally taking people away from the word of god for a counterfeit in other words that would be so that would not be supplementing it would be replacing the word of god this is <laughs> this is not good. This is just not good. This is just not good. I, I don't know how many more we need to do. I, I, I just don't know. I, I will do a couple of more to kind of, and uh, someone has, a, someone is getting a copy of the book so that we can ensure that the original uh, introduction is what we have found or what someone has sent to us. So we will verify that. We, we do have someone who uh, got a copy of God Calling. I, I, I'm afraid to even look at that book. Um, I, I put it this way. I don't, I, I can just look at what the introduction and just the first well, the first devotional using Jeremiah 29, 11, completely out of its context, even crosswalk.com has an article, you know, you can go read it that says this is the wrong way to approach it. 
Um, that's already enough. And then the introduction with all the craziness that uh, we've already got enough here to just say, this is a bad devotional. I don't know how much more time I need to spend on it. I really thought that like, I was going to go from one devotional. This is the way I thought it was going to work that we would cover like, say, I don't know, 10, 15 devotionals from the book. This is how I thought it was going to play. And one of them, I'd be like, okay, well, that's not horrible. It's not great. It's kind of in between. And then the next one, I'd be like, Ooh, okay, well, this is, makes a really good point. This is not, there's nothing really bad about this one. And then the next one would be like, whoa, this is a train wreck. And so I'd be like, well, okay, but I can't, I, if all of them are written this way, which it appears that's the way they're going to be written. I know I read it in the introduction. That's how it was going to be written. But in my mind, I still thought, no, it, it can't be that like that. But this is literally claiming it's it, it's it's using God's name and placing words in his mouth to really subvert I mean, to really replace the word of God it's not hath God said it's God said this which is nowhere in scripture. See, Satan was like, hath God said? And this is, God said this. God said these words. And you're like, no, he didn't. I I feel like we just need to keep talking, but I'm just going to stop right there because I'm just dumbfounded by the whole thing. I am just dumbfounded by it. I'm going to make sure that nobody posted anything in the con, in the, uh, in the Discord channel. Okay, someone was asking me a question um, in the Discord channel about our Bible study exercise, but um, I will, um, well, I'll, I'll give them an answer too. I'll give them an answer in a minute. I won't give them an answer on the air because it's not related to this, but it's about uh, their homework for the Bible study exercise. And if you're not participating in the Bible study exercise this week, well, if you look at the state of evangelical Christianity, can I say that the Bible study exercises maybe become more and more needed than ever because we need to actually study God's word instead of what people are making up as God's word? We have a devotional. If you think about Jesus calling as a devotional, now this I want you to think about this. Jesus Calling is a devotional that has sold 40 million copies and is spread across the evangelical world. And what makes it unique is it really replaces God's word with something claiming to be God's word that isn't. It subverts the word of God by replacing the word of God. Now, scripture is thrown in there, but there's no, there's nothing it's like here's here's a couple of scriptures, but I guess the you're you're not paying just to see a couple of scriptures. You're paying to get these words supposedly spoken to the author of the book during her dialogue with Jesus. So you're really paying for a book to get fraudulent words of Jesus. I want you to just try to think about that. The the most influential devotional of the last few years in the body of Christ is a book that gives you a counterfeit word of God. 
Think about the spiritual implications. And then you look at the condition of the church and maybe we see where things have gone horribly wrong. I'm not saying we can trace it right back to this book, but this is, there's something troubling that clearly 40 million copies. I don't think there's any other devotional book that's come close to selling that many copies in the last five or I think it was originally published in 2004. So 2004 to 2022, I'm horrible at math. And that many years, there's no, no devotional has sold that many copies. So this would make it the most influential devotional book in the, the, the present time of church history. I, it would probably be one of the most, it would make it one of the most influential devotionals maybe in church history. I, I doubt there's a, I mean, there's probably a few that sold that many copies throughout, like, like who've been around for a hundred years, but I don't think there's any that sold that many in that short of time. It's it's somewhat staggering even to wrap my mind around. Like I, I I'm I'm thinking there's something going on here. Like it just makes even from the most narcissistic human perspective, I can't explain its popularity. I can't. But seeing what it is, man, it, it would fit perfectly into a satanic idea of get everyone to read this, because they're actually focusing on, on made up words of Jesus and not the actual words of God. I don't know, but maybe the people who read it ignore all of that and they just focus on the scripture references. I don't know. It's it's very, 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 very weird. All right, I'll stop there. You can contact me, newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. I don't know how many more we'll do, but we'll, we'll do a, I'll try to do a couple more tomorrow. And uh, maybe maybe one or two Sunday afternoon and probably wrap it up. Maybe maybe Monday we'll wrap it up. I don't know. Um, because I don't know. I don't, at this point, I think I, it's just going to become a broken record. I'm just going to keep saying the same thing after every devotion. I'm going to be like, that's it? That's it? That's it? That That's, I, I, I just, I am baffled by it. All right, we'll stop there. Thanks for listening. God bless.